94.9 LPFM Ashland, Oregon The Alternative Show with Trevor Thomas Welcome to The Alternative Show. I'm Trevor Thomas, and you're tuned to KSKQ.org, 94.9 FM. Thank you for listening to my show. If you're new, this is a variety show that includes music, old-time radio shows, thought-provoking conversations, metaphysical discourses, skits, news, and more. Coming up this hour, we'll be playing music from The Crystal Method, Lost Prophets, Poets of the Fall of Montreal, and a few others. We'll also be doing uh, some new answering machine messages. And we'll be listening to um, a new serial by a special request, which I will reveal later. And we'll be talking about the, um, the future of video games in a few minutes. But before we do that, I'm going to play a song for you called um, Cells by the Servant. And to get you in the mood for our topic, I have a quote while we start this song. Alternative show with Trevor Thomas. Not the right one, sorry. Here it is. Quote is Thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another castle by Super Mario Brothers. It'll all click when the mortgage clears. All our fears will disappear. Now you go to bed. I'm staying here. I've got another level that I wanna clear.
Welcome back. And uh, today's topic is um, video games, the future of video games. If you want to voice your opinion on or off the air or add to the topic in some way, please wait until I'm playing a song. We're going to do a song kind of halfway through the topic here so that I can answer the phone and then call the studio here at 541-482-3999. And with today's topic, we're going to have a special guest, uh, a repeat performance by our good friend Jason Engel. Um, say that again. Hi, everybody. I cannot tell if your mic is working. Stupid. Okay. Wait. Okay. Hi, everybody. Okay. All right. I think we got it. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, Jason, um, today's topic, video games. You are replacing my other guest who had to bail last minute on me, which I am not bitter about at all. So don't feel bad. It's always nice to be second choice. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, oh, okay, I can't even tell if these microphones are working properly. Okay, so video games. Um, you know what? Why don't we do this? I am going to play a different song while I get this set up slightly differently. So this is uh, Late Goodbye by Poets of the Fall. Keep on flashing, flashing by, and we keep driving into the night. It's a late goodbye, such a late goodbye, and we keep driving into the night. It's a late goodbye. Thank you. 
Okay, so let's try this again. Uh, Jason, why don't you say something? Uh, how's it working now? That is working perfectly. Wonderful. Okay, so um, our topic today, the future of video games, which we decided to talk about. Um, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So we're not that prepared, people. <laughs> However, our lives have prepared us for this topic, so I think we'll do just fine. Huh. All right. Well, you're, you're playing more video games than I am nowadays. I guess to kind of get us started, where do you see video games are at right now? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. There's a number of different levels that video games are at. and uh, like I guess I would ask the types of video games you're playing right now. Where are those at? I'm pretty much playing two different video games, one of them being um, Modern Warfare 2, which is kind of a war-based game, and I've never been a huge fan of war-based games, but this game is incredibly realistic, and it's very well done. just kind of puts you right in the middle of everything, and the, the amount of time that they spend on video games nowadays is, is at least equal to the amount of time they spend on movies and things like that. Yeah, budget's, yeah. budget's pretty close for both of them. Right, and, and I mean, video games spend a few years in development sometimes just to get everything perfect. Uh, they spend as much for voiceover actors and for scripts and things like that as, well, okay, not like a Michael Bay movie or something. Although yeah. they probably paid nothing for their script. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's a very high, high level of realism. And then there's a couple of other games that I play, like Smash Brothers, which is more cartoony and, and interesting. And, uh, and that's really it. I mean, I've played a number of different games in the past, but right now those are the two that are kind of on my plate. I'm usually a fan of first-person shooters, Yeah. Um, which if nobody knows what a first-person shooter is, there's a few different game types out there. There's role-playing games where you kind of take on the persona of somebody that's like in a world. You spend a whole bunch of time like unlocking levels and doing things. I'm not actually a huge... Yeah, those are actually the games I grew up playing, like the Final Fantasies and the Resident Evil and stuff right. like that. Okay, so why don't you describe them? <laughs> All right, well, it's... it's um... It's just a mix of, uh, it's almost just a very elaborate way to solve puzzles. Right. That's basically what the games are built around, is just solving different puzzles mixed with, you know, shooting zombies and, and raising monsters to fight other monsters. And I don't know. Yeah, and there's a, there's a like, leveling up your characters is one of the big things that you do in a, in a role-playing game to try to get new stuff that your character can do. So they, they try to build them in such a way where you actually have to spend a real amount of time building up these characters so that you've got kind of a, like a really big sense of satisfaction once you're finished. And also it's incredibly addictive. Yeah. You know, I know people that have spent days just playing a video game. Well, they have rehab facilities now for video game players. That's true. <laughs> and it's, it's sad, but and true. And their attendance is actually pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, myself, uh, okay, so different types of video games. The other types out there, like adventure platformers, like, um, like for instance, the Myst games, which were really fun games for me, because they were all about like these really elaborate, really realistic worlds at the time that you could kind of explore. So in many ways, it was kind of like um, you know, exploring a dream of some kind, or a fantasy that you've had about a particular world. And that's really the point of video games, is much more than um, books or movies even you can escape into another world and kind of create your own adventure almost yeah i mean there's yeah. definitely video games that follow a very rigid script but a lot of them nowadays are are becoming more and more kind of open world where you can go around and do whatever you want and just see how the world is and create your own experiences and adventures and so in that way you can kind of live out a lot of those realistic fantasies that we have yeah you know um yeah, and and first person shooters is basically what it sounds like. You're you're a guy running around with a gun shooting other people. Yeah, that's basically as far as they took that concept. <laughs> yes, but there are a lot of people that play first person shooters. Well, because they're fun. It's true. There's there, not a lot there. of thinking involved in those. They usually they call them twitch shooters because it's just like you see a guy and you twitch and then you kill him really quick because otherwise they'll kill you very quickly. Huh. I never heard that term before. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, though. Yeah. Well, not all of them are like that, but many are quite like that. Yeah. It's just, um, it, there's there's a lot of, it's like the difference between a story that's in first person and third person. Third person stories are more like you're just kind of paying attention to them from off in the distance. You're seeing a world evolve on its own. First person, you're actually the main character having these experiences. And they do the same thing with video games, too. 
Yeah, yeah, they're definitely starting to take that uh, kind of step further in the first-person games, not just first-person shooters now, but with that, uh, what was it, Heavy Rain coming out? Right. It's like you're pretty much living that person's life for them as opposed to just running around shooting people. You're actually having to make, you know, moral decisions and stuff like that, and it's 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 interesting to see where they're headed with that stuff. Yeah, one of the problems with video games in the past has been that they haven't sucked you in quite as much as movies or, you know, or books or things where you're having to deal with the kind of interesting story storytelling that that goes on there where you're having to experience all these emotions about decisions you make and that's one of the things that video games can give you that other things can't because you're actually playing that main character you're having to make these decisions you know do you do this thing and and affect the world in a positive way or do you go more evil and do this other thing and then it gives you kind of real world consequences sometimes really bringing in emotion and you know that that interactive storytelling into video games is where they're starting to head. Yeah. You know, giving you those kind of moral choices that you would have to make in that kind of real world situation. Yeah. Um, one game that's a really good example. We were recently playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is a war game. And it basically throws you into a number of different storylines from the perspective of different soldiers in the video game. And one storyline has you playing an undercover agent in kind of a, it's like a, I don't know if it's Russian or something. It's like this uh, terrorist group. And you're trying to capture the bad guy, but in doing that you can't blow your cover and the first mission they send you on you're in this terrorist group and you have to go pretty much shoot up an entire airport which is incredibly difficult because it's like this crazy moral choice that you have to deal with and and then at the end i I don't know if you guys anyone's going to play it but kind of a spoiler alert here in the end the bad guy kind of shoots you anyway yeah yeah so it's almost like that whole level was not worth it, and you have to deal with all those actual personal emotions. And if people think that they can separate video game emotions from real emotions that you're feeling, then they're fooling themselves. It's, just, it's definitely... Uh, I mean, when you think about it, your subconscious doesn't really know the difference between things that you see and things that you are actually doing. So somewhere in your brain, you're actually processing these things as real events that you have to deal with the consequences of. Yeah. I think I think to a certain extent that's true. I mean, I don't, like uh, v- video games for us are kind of like uh, like playing pretend when we were little. Right. I mean, we still get to make up these. Well, we don't get to make up. But we get to experience these elaborate scenarios and these elaborate characters and just really live with that and play with it. But at the same time, I think we think we all know, like, kind of consciously that it is just pretend at this point. Right. It's true. There are a few people out there that do not know the difference between pretend and real life, and those are the people you see in you know in the in the news that have like based their life off of Grand Theft Auto and gone on some sort of killing spree of some kind. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's stuff to support that. There's also stuff to not support that. I mean, when you actually look at these people and their past and their histories beyond video games, they always had very very long bouts of depression and right. suicidal tendencies and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say the game set them off. No, I agree. I think it's just something that they felt comfortable with doing because of what they were feeling and thinking already. Right. It's a. It's a. It's a symptom of what they already have. If it wasn't video games, it would have been something else. But those types of people are the types of people that create, you know, the problems for the video game industry. The ones that, you know, people saying out there that video games cause violence. And it's not true. Any more than any media causes violence. If you inundate yourself with it, you will be more prone to thinking about a particular thing. But you're the one that has the knowledge of what's right and wrong already in your life. I mean, it's, you know, it's a movie, it's a video game, it's, it's a book. It's a way of divorcing yourself from what you're seeing and what you're doing. People that know how to do that don't have those kind of problems. People that don't would have had that problem anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's always going to be two sides of the coin to that that argument because in the past, I mean, not with video games, but with with movies and comic books and music and you know hip hop and stuff. I mean, every time that came out onto the scene, and because of the kind of violent nature of the violent you know uh, lyrics or, or the violent you know scenes or whatever, right. people did the same thing they're doing now with video games, which is saying that's what's causing all the problems out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just not true. They've come down on like Eminem for his lyrics for causing people to create violence, and I don't know the movie natural born killers when it first came out that was pretty pretty inciting yeah and i think personally most recently with the movie kick-ass which uh yeah i could see that to some degree i would love to see somebody actually dress up in a costume but i would hate to see the consequences because i mean that movie as violent as it was 
was tame considering what usually happens to people like that. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's, I think, what's also changing in the industry now with, with video games and movies. Like, if you take Kick-Ass, I mean, it showed, you know, kids dressing up in costumes and going out and trying to, you know, kick the bad guy's butts or whatever, but it did show you consequences. And now video games are starting to do the same thing, where they're actually showing you the consequences of the choices you're making in the games. That's true. And I, I think that's a very positive, I guess, direction to be going with these things you can still keep them violent but just show that there are consequences to acting like this in real life mm-hmm. yeah there was another game that did the same the um it was a game called uh, bioshock which uh which oh, was yeah. a really fun game to play but the major morality point that people had to deal with was there's these kids running around <laughs> siphoning siphoning off these this energy from like dead bodies and you have this choice you can either work with them to get some of that energy or you can kill the kids take the energy from them and get a whole bunch more so it's like this moral choice in that you can uh do this really messed up thing because they show it really realistically in terms of like I mean, they don't actually show you killing the kid, but it's like right up to that point. Yeah, it's like it's like wow, that's, I don't want to see that in my head. It's pretty gross. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. Yeah, uh, you know, but that's the moral the moral thing there is that you you can choose to not have nightmares when you go to sleep at night, or you can choose to uh, level up your character and be way more powerful than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of different schools of thought on that, and like, uh, like with uh, like a lot of like politicians and and parents and organizations trying to ban video games from kids until they're 18 years old. I mean, there's a lot of things for that that makes sense to do that, and there's like a lot of things against that. And and in doing that, because like uh, uh, video games, um, it's it's kind of like. It's they're they're showing us very horrible and violent things, but it's also somewhat preparing kids for like the worst case scenario in real life. It's like they're not just they won't be as much shocked by it. They can somehow learn to deal with it through these video games, like right. the kind of more hard things to deal with in life. They they figure those out in these video games, and then they can apply that in later life. Whereas if you take that away from kids, I mean, when they get out of the world, they're not as developed as most. Right. I mean, video games. There's a lot of pros to video games, and that's one of them. In that people can have these experiences without necessarily having to deal with the consequences now yes video games are starting to incorporate consequences more and more often but yeah that can well, they, also be they, a good they can, thing when they're not there yeah yeah i mean they, they can learn the consequences through these video games without having right. to experience the physical ramifications of the consequences right i mean video games and actually my dad used to work for the air force he built a um a cockpit simulator for people that would fly like uh, jet fighters, and um, and that was one of the first ones that had actually came out. Come out. It was like a you know simulation. Was that before the flight simulator game? I don't know if it was before or right around the same time, but it was okay. the first one that you actually sit in a cockpit with all the dials and everything. Yeah. And it was fully 3D helmet that you kind of look around and see it as if you're in an actual airplane. I got to try it when I was a kid. That's they basically cool. took apart a plane and built a virtual simulator inside <clears throat> it. It's wow. turning all the different like windows into screens. So it's almost like you're flying this plane in this thing, and it's got like all this gyro technology, so you're moving around and stuff like that. So yeah. it was a lot of fun, and it was kind of a preview of where things are going. And it's also a very good point about why video games can be a good thing, because you can have these experiences and learn all this stuff without having to do it in the field where you know any wrong decision you make... Could get you killed. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, so in, in a lot of ways, video games, if done right, can be a teaching tool for um, for you know when you grow up and have to deal with a lot of different things. Yeah, and yeah, and that's one of the the major benefits that I see is the teaching tool aspect. Now, video games are definitely getting more and more realistic. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I, I I kind of view that both as a good thing and a bad thing. Right. I mean, a good thing and that it's making it more like real life and that we can start to experience a lot more of life that we may not get to experience in real life just through this virtual world of whatever game we're playing. Mm-hmm. That gives you more experiences, gives you just more kind of just thought-provoking things to learn and deal with. But at the same time, it's also making it – it's almost desensitizing you to violence in real life. You know, if you see, like, you know, violent things on the news, you may not really care because you're not as shocked by it anymore. That's true. Yeah, and, it's and definitely a downside to that same kind of yeah. realism. Kind of gives you a apathy, the right word? I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it just makes you not, not see that as such a horrible thing anymore. You see, like, you know, a, a bus being blown up, 
you know, in, in the city. And it's like, wow, that sucks. And then you just go back to doing whatever you were doing. You're not shocked by it anymore. Right. Yeah. And and while on the one hand, it'll, it'll be really good for you if you're ever in that situation, you can look at it from a common collective kind of state of mind. But at the same time, that also means that all the stuff that we've been inundated with in video games and, and media in general has this problem, is that we're inundated with this stuff, so no longer do we feel the need to do anything about it. Yeah. Because, you know, we think that's the world we live in, you know. It's kind of just turning a generation of kids into cynics to a certain extent Yeah. in terms of real life and consequences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's cool that people are voting and, and getting their how they feel about things out there, but at the same time, the the amount of stuff we do about, you know, government and things like that is, is, is going down. Like, I mean, okay, when we had Clinton for president, we were, like, all ready to impeach him for, you know, the sexual scandal that was going on. And yet all the stuff that Bush has done, I mean, he had two terms, and yeah. nobody said anything about it. It was almost like we've been desensitized to it by that point. Yeah. Yeah, well, people can get up in arms about it, they can get upset about it, but when it comes to actually doing something about it, no one really does. Right. Yeah, it's because it's been happening so long and so often that we don't care anymore. And that is one of the downsides to media and video games and news and all that kind of stuff. Because in a lot of ways, they're, they're very similar. And, um, and actually, in regards to that, I'm, I'm, I think that video games and media are definitely going to start merging in the future yeah. in a lot of different ways. Like, I mean, you've seen a lot of... Um, well, I think they came out recently with a sort of choose-your-own-adventure... Um, what was it called? The Final Destination movie. Like, they had multiple endings. And oh, I heard about that, yeah. One. Yeah. Which, uh, which I thought was interesting, but also kind of boring. Yeah. Well, Nobody I, saw that movie anyway. Yeah. Well, how, do, how do you see video games merging with that kind of stuff? Well, the, uh, the, the thing is that with the advent of 3D technology in movies, I mean, Avatar is already one that's kind of pushed the boundaries on that. And, the adve- and new cameras that can take pictures and turn them into 3D images and um, all this kind of stuff is merging together. I mean, you're, you've already got video games where they're spending as much time on character development and storyline and cinematography and all this kind of stuff as in actual movies. You've got actual actors acting in video games, which I think is really interesting and impressive. This is a, it's definitely a legitimate source for you know new people to check out this stuff. And, uh, and in doing that, you're, you're building... Um, kind of a new direction for both video games and movies in that they can kind of combine together. Uh, you know, having a 3D world where you've got, like, Brad Pitt being the main character that's kind of walking you through something, and you're, you know, running around shooting people and doing all this crazy stuff, but you got this storyline going on at the same time, and you are the main character in that movie. You know, you can switch the camera angles around, you can play the movie through in a different way and have a different experience. And I, I think in a lot of ways that's where media and video games and movies are heading to kind of a merging of the different technologies and ways of telling these storylines so that people can have more of an immersive experience. I mean, already the technology behind video games is close to that of the first Toy Story, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about video games is that it's always pushing the boundaries of what your computer can do. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have such amazing computers right now if it wasn't for the video game industry. Yeah. It's, it's because of these new games that come out every month that your PC becomes extinct, like, every three months, and you have to get a new one. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like, like that kind of stuff. I'm excited somewhat about how video games can start looking more realistic, but I'm more interested in seeing how video games can start being played more realistically in terms of just human emotion and choices and you know moral stuff and consequences and decisions you have to make that will affect the entire outcome of the game. Yeah. As opposed to just an already set in stone script that you can go from here and you know, A to B always leads you to the end result. You know, I, I, I'm more interested in like, like the hard rain game mm-hmm. that kind of lets you make different decisions, and that, that's going to affect the outcome of your character. Right. So for those of you that don't know, there's this game coming out called Hard Rain. It's going to be on PlayStation 3 pretty soon here. And uh, it's basically a game that tells a very immersive storyline. It's kind of a film noir detective kind of story where you actually take the the place of three or four different characters. And so they start out, they all start out their days and you kind of help them along. And it starts out a little odd because you're like brushing your teeth and you're helping the guy brush his teeth by pressing different buttons and, and you're helping the guy play with his kids and do all this different kind of stuff. But it's more of a detective story than a video game. It's just an inner 
interactive, immersive detective story. And what's interesting about it is the different choices you make affect the outcome of the video game. So, you know, you could choose to save somebody in a particular instance, or you could choose to ask certain questions, and it'll take you down a different path. Or, for instance, one of the characters could die, and that changes the storyline, but it's not over. So these four different characters that you play as, one of them is no longer around anymore, and the storyline morphs and changes to fit that new outcome. So it's almost like you're playing through a detective novel, but in first person and in real time, and it's happening to you. Yeah, and you're getting getting to choose how it plans out. Mm-hmm. And the acting in it is really good, and the the graphics that they've used and the, and the expressions that they've given all the different characters is very realistic. So it's a very immersive experience and kind of a preview of where movies and video games, games can kind of merge together in the future, I think. Yeah. What would be your kind of, I guess, ideal video game for them to come out with? Just in terms of how it works, how it functions, or what kind of story it would tell? Or... Um... I don't know. I mean, uh, Heavy Rain is a pretty interesting storyline. Yeah. What's cool about it, I mean, most video game players are like, well, you know, if you don't get to kill somebody, then it's just no good. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've always been, like, any game that can get you closer to something that you have in your head. Like, um, um, I love flying games. So I'm, I'm not really great on, like, flight simulators, but if they had, like, a flying Superman game mm-hmm. that was incredibly realistic, that would be awesome for me. <laughs> Or, uh, I mean, Heavy Rain is a film noir detective novel. I mean, that's really fun. It doesn't have to be a first-person shooter. You don't have to be killing somebody all the time. I mean, the downside to some degree is, okay, you're sitting in front of a computer for like 12 hours when you could be outside experiencing the same stuff in your regular life. Yeah, well, that's debatable. Not all of it, but okay, like film noir detective story, maybe, you know. Yeah. First-person shooter, not so much. (laughs) And anybody that plays a war game that thinks they can survive that long in a war game is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm not really sure what my ideal video game, like realistic video game, would be at the moment. Do you have one? Um I'm really interested in, in, in film noir type games. Like the Hard Hard Rain is, is a good example of that. Also the uh, the Max Payne games. I mean that, that was a first person shooter, but it was built around a film noir type story. Yeah. And a storytelling like that. So just just kind of stuff like that. It just reminds me of older older movies I grew up watching. So if, if they could move more into that genre of making more film type games, mm-hmm. that would be much more interesting to me because those games are, are very much character-based. It's, it's much more heavier on the character development and what the character is going through as opposed to what the character is doing. Right. Which is just always much more interesting to me. Yeah, and the let's see, the Max Payne games, Max Payne 1 and 2 were both kind of based on John Woo type films. Yeah. And then they actually did a sequel to one of his movies, Hard Boiled, oh, in yeah. uh, video game form with yeah. Chow Yun-Fat as the main character. And that was really interesting. It wasn't quite as good as the Max Payne games, but it was really fun to see that character and that storyline take place in a video game instead of a movie, and I think they pulled it off really well. Yeah, in terms I, I of never got a chance to play that. How was like the? Was there an actual story involved in that? Did it feel yeah. like a movie or just felt like a first-person shooter? The story game? felt like a movie, and a lot of the slow-mo bullet time stuff that they did felt very much like a John Woo type movie, like that, very cinematic and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the storyline and all that stuff weaved together pretty well. The there were a couple of problems. Some of it was just in translation from, from you know Japanese to American. American. Yeah. It's just slightly yeah. different. And um, and some of the gameplay was a little bit um, tedious and repetitive. Yeah. But for the most part, it was pretty cool seeing it turn into, you know, a yeah. video game movie, basically. Yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that interests me. Because, I mean, there's only so many times you can play, like, a Doom game or something where it's just right. straight first-person shooter. There's no questions asked. You're just in a room, and there's people, and you have to shoot them. Right. At a certain point, I want to have a reason for this character to be doing that or some reason for me to invest in it. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of I'm, I'm liking the fact that they're making more movie type video games coming out because it gets me something to invest in and something to kind of dissect or in, intellectualize. So. Right. So um, it looks like that's about all for our time. And yeah. in leaving, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote from Half Life Episode Two, which I think is kind of uh, um, is actually a good quote to end on. And it is, "Prepare for unforeseen consequences." Hmm. Play the game, the PlayStation all day.
Hey, we're from Metal Gear Solid to Jack and Free. And from Omega Bells to Resident Evil, just play for the fun, cause we got it going on. Jobs with Justice proudly supports KSKQ LP 94.9 FM in Ashland. Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice brings together labor unions, religious congregations, student groups, and the community organizations to improve working people's standard of living, job security, and their right to organize. Visit their website at www.sojwj.org. KSKQ thanks Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice for supporting community radio. 
And now, Irrelevant News with Trevor Torres. Our top story today is today, because today is National Wear Your Pajama to Work Day. De-stress after pulling an all-nighter to by wearing your PJs to work. Talk about casual attire. Actually, I'm currently wearing a Snuggie, which is a backwards robe, and it's incredibly comfortable. And in other news, 67-year-old Roberta Feinsmith has filed a wrongful discharge suit, claiming she was terminated because of her age, but more importantly, because she had complained openly to other workers about her new supervisor's constant barrages of flatulence. Shane Morgan Hall had a unique excuse for why he was found dangling from a ventilation duct at a BP convenience store in Maryland. He told police that he was playing hide-and-seek and that the other players couldn't find him and gave up. And the winner of today's Dumb Blonde Award is 45-year-old Amy Brasher, who was arrested in San Antonio, Texas, after a mechanic reported to police that 18 packages of marijuana were packed in the engine compartment of the car, which she had brought to the mechanic for an oil change. According to the police, Brasher said that she didn't realize that the mechanic would have to raise the hood to change the oil. Here's some useless trivia. Studies in the U.S. show the average three-person family generates 40 pounds of garbage a week. Much of the garbage is grass clippings and yard waste, followed by paper, then food. The kinds of smells our noses detect have finally been categorized by scientists. They are minty, floral, ethereal, musky, resinous, foul, and acrid. And finally, singer Eddie Vedder suggested the name of the music group Pearl Jam. He wanted to honor his Aunt Peggy's homemade jam. That's it for tonight's news. Stay tuned for On the Family coming up next. I'm Bert, Bill Murray, and I don't know what radio is. Wait, what am I reading? All right, who wrote that? Relevant News with Trevor Thomas. Congratulations! You are the one millionth caller, and you have just won a brand new car! From fighting, you can answer these questions. You have 15 seconds from the sound of the beep to state your name, phone number, and name the 50 states. Thank you for calling Dial an Asshole. All of our assholes are currently assisting other assholes. To receive a free copy of our quarterly newsletter, The Anal Retentive, please leave your name and number at the beep, and the first available asshole will return your call promptly. Have a shitty day. Today we're going to bring back an old serial. This is uh, Chicken Man by popular request. A few episodes of Chicken Man that we haven't heard yet. Uh, starting with Chicken Man Runs for Commissioner, episode one. Well, 27 days have elapsed since famed director Daryl Frannick announced the production of a motion picture all about the winged warrior to be filmed on location in Midland City. Work proceeded smoothly until day number six, when the construction of the chicken place set began. A $56 million replica of the Taj Mahal. Day number seven, Ape Epic, head of Epic Productions, wires director Daryl Frannick to hold down expenses. 
And on day number eight... Adele Epic, only daughter of Abe Epic and personal secretary to Daryl Frantic, wires her darling daddy that she's in love with darling Daryl very much. Day number ten, the Taj Mahal gets going again. And day number eleven... The mayor is fitted for a purple evening gown. Day number thirteen, with the completion of the Taj Mahal, a well-known Midland City building contractor is handed a check for $56 million. Day number fourteen, the entire cast of Chicken Place is flown to a remote Pacific Island for a seven-day cast party paid for by a generous and well-known Midland City building contractor. Day number 21, including the party. The entire cast returns to Midland City and heads for a cold shower. Day number 22, the entire cast is dried out. And on a small parking lot behind Midland City Hall, the shooting of Chicken Place begins with the opening scene depicting the winged warrior entering a door of the Taj Mahal. Producer Epic agrees to rebuild the Taj Mahal with a better door after his adorable daughter marries the man she loves. Oh, quickly, name the date and time, wing warrior whom I love. Day number 24. A very small, single-engine biplane heads for darkest Africa, carrying the cast of Daryl Frannick's new movie, Without a Taj Mahal. Now, the storyline is this. We find this feathered creature who looks like a chicken in the jungle. That's you, Wing Warrior. Yes. Then we capture this creature of the jungle and take him back to Midland City, where he climbs the Empire State Building. The Empire State Building. And uh, we call this new movie King Chicken. King, King Chicken? Well, that's your bit. Wow. So Chicken Man is to become King Chicken. And another thing. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the movie were to open with the ringing sound of a king-sized Kong? Well, as you certainly know by now, director Daryl Frannick's plan to film a motion picture all about the Winged Warrior's career was later scrapped when producer Abe Epic told director Frannick he wouldn't go along with building a second $56 million legendary love temple. Well, very much embittered by this turn of events, director Frannick quickly rounded up his company of players and headed for darkest Africa aboard a single-engine biplane piloted by Anthony Schmidt. All right, now that we're airborne, if there's anyone here who doesn't want to go to Africa, they're free to leave. Gee, Daryl, you're really embittered about something. Anyone? Anyone at all? Well, so you want to leave, do you, Commissioner? Uh, no, I just have a uh, question. When I want a question, I'll ask for it. Otherwise, keep your hand down. I was merely wondering if anyone... I don't want to hear about it. Down, down, hand down. Daryl, you're really embittered about something. All right, now hear this. I'm about to direct a work of art. I was merely... Basically, it's the story of this feathered creature of the jungle who's captured alive, taken to Midland City, unexpectedly breaks loose, and climbs the Empire State Building. I was merely wondering if anyone noticed that in the book... Completing his outline of the basic story, Director Frannick briefly touches upon his choice of the title of the motion picture. And that's why King Chicken, you see, says to people this moon picture is about a king of the jungle, a chicken who's uprooted from his normal habitat. Following this explanation, Director Frannick then freely encourages the airborne company of players to discuss the symbolic meaning of the whole thing. Well, for me, the feathered creature represents, symbolically speaking, a chicken. That's what I think. What do you think, Wing Warrior? Uh, well, I was wondering if the feathers were not more symbolically speaking supposed to be the turkey. What do you think, Miss Halpinger? I was wondering what I could do for a bad headache. Okay, we'll come back to you. What about you, Commissioner? I was wondering what we're going to do without parachutes. Parachutes? Because I was wondering if anyone noticed that we're losing altitude. You mean symbolically? Uh, no, for real, fast. Wow. Just what kind of plane is Tony Schmidt piloting? It may be that we will have to measure Schmidt for a parachute. Well, after a long series of damaging defeats at the hands of the criminal element, the wonderful white-winged warrior has been ordered by the police commissioner to hang up his wings and turn in his broom closet key. Uh, before leaving this office, do you have any last questions, former white-winged warrior? Uh, yes, I do, Commissioner. Ask it, does this cancel my pension plan, too? And several hours later, in the secret underground cave located deep below the suburban home of shoe salesman Benton Harbor. Benton? Benton, are you in the chicken cave? It's not a chicken cave, Mother. It's a basement. What do you want? Is there 
something troubling you? Mother, I'm just thinking. What are you thinking about and in the dark? Nothing. That's why I can do it in the dark. Well, I brought you some soup. I don't want any soup, Mother. It's chicken, your favorite. Mother, I've made a decision. About what, Benton? About my future. You don't mean... I'm through being the clean, living, honest, true, faithful, kind, courageous, daring, valiant, peerless, fearless fighter known as the winged warrior. Oh, Benton, how wonderful. Did you say wonderful? You mean you're finally going into something else? Oh, has my dream come true? What dream are you talking about? Benton. What? You're going to become a registered nurse. No, I'm not going to become a registered nurse. This has been my dream for you, Benton, ever since you were a little boy. My son, the registered nurse. Mother, that's not what I had in mind. It isn't? No. You see... I have decided to spend my remaining years in government work. Benton, the chicken soup is on the bottom step. Now, be careful you don't step into it. Oh, I never said it or tried it. What did you say, Benton? I said I just stepped in the chicken soup. And not much later, on the 14th floor of a Midland City luxury apartment building. Miss Helfinger? Yes. I am a candidate for the high office of police commissioner of Midland City. You're what? Would you vote for me? (laughs) Well, would you just do some <laughs> small campaign jobs like driving a sound truck? How about passing out posters? Wow. So Chicken Man has thrown his plumage into the ring. Does he realize how much wing shaking will be going on? One thing for sure. He'll not kiss many little babies with that beat. Well, as you know, the police commissioner of Midland City has discharged the winged warrior as Midland City's capon crusader. And in quick answer to this dismissal, the former feathered fighter has announced that he will seek the commissioner's job. And on a street corner, not far from Midland City Hall. Norton. Uh, Yes, my dear. The bus, Norton. How long must we wait for the bus? Shortly, my dear, shortly. Oh, Norton, when are we going to buy a car? Soon, my dear, soon. You've been police commissioner for 14 years now, Norton. Yes, 14 years. It embarrasses me to ride the bus every single day, Norton. Uh, We must save our money for the forthcoming political campaign, my dear. Oh, help us. Someone help us. Now, this is the bus, my dear. Oh, Norton. Climb aboard, my dear. Climb aboard. Norton, there isn't even any room to sit. Yes, it appears to be rather crowded today. All right, your attention, please. I'd like to welcome everyone aboard my special campaign bus. Oh, Norton. Oh, my dear. And now, everybody, let's get things going with a rousing chorus of my campaign song. Oh, Norton, what are you going to do? Stop the bus. It's Chicken Man for Commissioner. You people cry for you and me. So vote for Chicken Man for Police Commissioner. And to his victory we will see. Stop the bus. He's everywhere. Someone help us. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'd like to introduce some of our fellow travelers. Norton. Oh, hi, Commissioner. Gee, what are you doing squeezed under that seat? Uh, hello, winged warrior. <laughs> it certainly was swell of you to join us. Norton, let me up this instant. Oh, who's the girl, Commissioner? Anyone I know? Oh, oh help, help us. us. Someone, Someone help, help us. us. Wow. So the Commissioner has made at least a bus token appearance for Chicken Man's campaign. Will he be able to transfer before Election Day? One thing for sure, he must not talk to Chicken Man while the campaign is in motion. Almost at the end of our show, but before we go, get out a pen and paper. It's time for spell speak. Spell speak. If you can keep up, you will be able to decipher this very important message. Once you're done, be the first to email me this message at trevorkskq.org. You'll get a 10% savings on your first project with Lightworks Media. Lightworks provides conscious marketing, video, web, and print design services to businesses worldwide. Go to www.lightwerxmedia.com for more info. If you need to hear the message again, the show will be up in the archive section at kskq.org later tonight. Here we go. M-A-N-W-I-T-H-H-O-L-E-I-N-P-O-C-K-E-T 
F-E-E-L-I-N-G-C-O-C-K-Y-A-L-L-D-A-Y. After the closing, we will be playing something. Sanctuary off the Kingdom Hearts soundtrack. Earlier, we played um, PlayStation by Eiffel 65 and Late Goodbye by Poets of the Fall off of the Max Payne 2 soundtrack. And I believe we started with Cells, um, which is by The Servant, which I actually originally found on the uh, Sin City movie. And that's uh, another song about video games. So, um, yeah, so after the closing, playing the song that I just mentioned, which I lost again, Sanctuary by Kingdom Hearts. If you have any feedback or suggestions or just want to say hi, send me a message at trevorkskq.org. Go to thealternativeshow.com to listen to some of our past skits and segments, archive shows, and a link to our Facebook page. Coming up at 8 is uh, Whistling in the Dark. And um, next week we'll be talking with a new guest, Hannah, about a mystery subject as yet to be named. So tune in next time when you'll hear special guest, a woman who accidentally walked into the men's room, saying, And that's the last word. been listening to The Alternative Show, which would not be possible without substantial donations from Anna Septic, created by Aaron Tires, with producer Terry Kloff and studio engineers Ida Ho and Randy Peters. Special thanks to Howie Kisses, Ty Marks, and my good friend Richard Keyes, patent lawyer Meg O'Tan, Mary Kay cosmetic saleswoman Doris Close, and of course Al Gore for inventing the internet, without which this nearly live streaming broadcast would not be possible. All celebrity voices are impersonated unless stated otherwise during the show, which is broadcast live on location at Walt Disney's Tomorrowland theme park in Disneyland, France. Où est la piscine dans les Disneyland Resort? C'est plus bon, magnifique! Featuring the host with the most, Trevor S. Thomas, and yours truly, Alan Ray. You're listening to KSKQ 94.9 FM, Ashland Radio, a product of the Multicultural Association of Oregon. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> <laughs>